It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Sunday, October 29th, 2023. I'm Kevin Cork. A clarion call from border experts to change course or else. And behind every one of these numbers and statistics is obviously someone who's broken the law, but it's also, again, that public safety and national security threat. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. President Biden's name won't be on the 2024 ballot in a state that holds the first in the nation presidential primary. Well, it used to until the Democratic Party said South Carolina would go first for them. New Hampshire's fighting back, and so is a member of the president's own party, who's now announced a primary challenge against him. You know, I think some Democrats in the state will actually embrace Phillips, and they're glad that he's here campaigning, even if they're supporters of the president. The president is partially responsible for this whole mess with New Hampshire's primary status, and he's not on the ballot, and I think there's some resentment there. This is the Fox News Rundown from Washington. It's the political albatross that continues to hang around the neck of President Biden's re-election prospects. The border surge, a crisis punctuated by last week's announcement by the administration that there were nearly 270,000 southern border encounters last month alone, part of the worst fiscal year for illegal migration on record. And now, amid calls from GOP lawmakers to change course, border experts are sounding the alarm. One way to describe what's going on at our southern border right now in a word is chaos. Chad Wolf, former acting United States Secretary of Homeland Security. It's literally chaos down there for Border Patrol agents and for others who live along that border. You know, sort of undescribed number of individuals coming across that border every single day in every 24-hour period is about somewhere between 7,000 and 8,000. And that is uh, breaking the system beyond repair. And that's what the Border Patrol agents have found themselves in over the last two and a half years. Um, And when you have that number of people, it's very difficult to vet them. It's very difficult to know who they are, where they're going, why they're entering the United States, and do those law enforcement checks. And so when none of that is done, you have what you have today, which is chaos. And you have a system where you have to release them almost immediately Um, which is what we find ourselves in today. And I think that's causing a lot of the issues that we have now between the number of known or suspected terrorists, special interest aliens and others coming across that border. You know, and this is one of the real frustrations. I mean, let's call it what it is. Let's call a spade a spade. People love to use uh, terms like encounters. Well, the fact is what the American people feel like right now is this is an out-and-out invasion because what used to be deemed illegal immigration, now they call it something else, or they claim that everybody wants asylum here. But the problem with looking at it from that viewpoint, or at least trying to legislate it or even manage it from that viewpoint, is you end up with the same exact problems. You don't know where these people are from. You don't know who they are. The information that you're collecting may or may not be true. And you mentioned something really important. We're talking about a number of individuals who have shown up on terror watch lists. In fact, 
there's right now a, a real push by the GOP, uh, John Cornyn in particular of the great state of Texas. He's co-sponsoring uh, legislation that would require the DOJ and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, the Biden administration specifically, to brief Congress on the terror watch list border, and I'm using air quotes, encounters. Is that the right decision? Is that the right direction? Is that the right approach from your viewpoint? Yeah, I think some of the terminology is important. I think it is an invasion, and I know that term gets thrown around, and, and some like it and some don't, but that's the only way to describe what is occurring when you have an administration who is essentially inviting these individuals to come in. You have cartels and smugglers and traffickers who know this that are pushing individuals across that border in numbers that we have just never seen before in the history of our country. And so when people say it's an invasion, it's an invasion not from a military standpoint, although there are some definitely some threats there, but it's an invasion of American communities with untold number of individuals that can no longer be absorbed into those communities. So, of course, they go elsewhere into the country. But to answer your question, I mean, there are public safety and national security threats. There are individuals on that terror watch list, what we call known or suspected terrorists. And understanding where they're coming from, why they're coming to the United States, who's paying for their travel, who's paying for their trip, and then where are they going once they're encountered by law enforcement. It's not good enough just to encounter someone, to encounter a known or suspected terrorist. What do you do with them after you encounter them? And I think that's what many members of Congress, probably Senator Cornyn and others, want to know, which is it's okay that you've encountered 269 of them since the beginning of the Biden administration. Where are those 269? Did you remove them? Are they somehow in a, in a law enforcement facility or did you release them into American communities? And I think that's the that's the thing that the Biden administration was very, very close lipped about. They're not telling people. And I think that's what members of Congress want to hear. And it's not just that there are more than 150, uh, close to 200. Uh, some would even argue more than 200 uh, that have been on the terror watch list that have been encountered at the southern border. We also have to keep in mind there have been several at the northern border. And here's some numbers that I think really underscore, Chad, the frustration. Uh, this is all happening as the uh, CBP uh, reports a record number of people encountered at the southern border in fiscal year 23, more than the last six fiscal years combined. And if that wasn't shocking enough, we're talking about people from places like Syria and people like uh, from Afghanistan and Iraq and even Yemen. We could be sitting on a real powder keg here. Do you not? I, I know you see it that way, but do congressional lawmakers and people in the administration, do they have the same level of alarm that you might have? Well, I think some members of Congress do, and I think that's why you have folks like Senator Cornyn and others who are asking for more and more information. I think the real question is, does the Biden administration care? They have some of the same stats that you just mentioned. They know this. A lot of this actually comes from DHS's website where they track a lot of this information. And so the question is, if they don't care, then why? Why is that? Why are they allowing these record numbers, and I, I agree with you, you know, from apprehensions to not only on the southern border, but nationwide to the number of K, uh, known or suspected terrorists, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And these numbers are so outrageous that folks have almost become numb to them because there's just a number. And the higher the number, you can say, well, it's bad, but, you know, I've, I've heard that number before. But individuals and Americans shouldn't really take this for granted. These are behind every one of these numbers and statistics is 
obviously someone who's broken the law, but it's also, again, that public safety and national security threat. And so my question to the Biden administration is, why don't you care? Why don't you care about the sovereignty of the country? But then why? And if you do care, then why aren't you changing strategy? You still have the failed strategy from two and a half years. You know these numbers and you continue to let these people in month after month after month. And they do this on purpose because they they do it through parole and they do it through what they call their legal pathways that they have created over the last two and a half years. And so I continue to say that this is this is by design. This is how they design the system. And this is what they've designed it for. I think there's a great deal of evidence to support that viewpoint, especially when you talk to GOP lawmakers. They say this is happening not by accident, but rather by design. Uh, There's also a little push and shove here in the nation's capital when it comes to funding. As you know, uh, former President Trump uh, tried to successfully fund a border wall. Immediately upon coming into office, the Biden administration stopped rebuilding the wall. Now, lately, they've been able to utilize some of the money which had been set aside, earmarked specifically for border wall construction. They're having to use it legally. But here's something new. Uh, The GOP is saying, uh, Chad, that they want to... uh, increase border funding, and they want it wrapped into an aid package that might include Israel, for example, and Ukraine, and perhaps even Taiwan. For the folks who get frustrated and say, listen, can't we just have these things broken up individually and push them over the finish line of their own merit? What do you say to people when they hear something like that? On the one hand, listen, they're saying, listen, we'll take money any way we can get it to help secure the homeland. On the other hand, uh, you have people that I talk to who say, I'm not sure this is the best case scenario to sort of try to lump it in with throwing hundreds of billions of dollars at foreign entanglements. What say you? Well, I think that's right. I think you have to you have to ask yourself what is best for Americans and what is that America first approach? And so when you have such large aid packages for Ukraine or even Israel and then you throw in border security, I think by throwing it in there, the administration's trying to <laughs> convince some who don't like, you know, maybe one piece but like the other two to vote for it all. So it's you know, there's definitely some politics going on there. What I would say about the border funding and I've talked to many members is that there's not really a resource issue along that border. There's not a funding problem. There is a policy problem along that border. And so it really doesn't matter how much money that you give the department. If they're going to continue the failed strategy of the last two and a half years, then $4 billion, $40 billion, or $400 billion will not change what is going on along that border. And I think it's important to remember that Congress gave the department $1.5 billion last year And they gave it to process more and more individuals. You couldn't use it to secure the border. You could only use it to process more illegal aliens. And that's exactly what the department's done. And I, I, you know, I would offer that over the last year or year and a half that the situation has only gotten worse. It hasn't gotten better because of $1.5 billion. So I think any money that is given to the department has to come with strings attached that you have to change policy. Because simply continuing to fund that failed strategy that they have is not going to improve the situation. It's going to waste taxpayer money. So I have a little different approach. I don't think we continue to throw money at the issue. You have to get them to change a strategy, and that starts with policy. Let me ask you, um, now that we have a new House Speaker on the GOP side, uh, what do you know about uh, the new Speaker? And will that make a difference at all in how or how much 
the GOP approaches this issue? Uh, well, I know the individual. I worked with him when I was in office. I think he's smart. He's bright. He's certainly, you know, America first and puts Americans first in a lot of this and understands the situation at the border. Now, he's got a lot of different issues to contend with and to <clears throat> and to balance. So I, I wish him luck. But I do think he understands the border. The question that I have is all the priorities that are going on in the world, right, between Ukraine, Israel, obviously the Biden investigations. Where does border security where does the fact of the unlawful border security measures that Secretary Mayorkas and others have put in place, where does it rank in the House priorities? I think it should be very high. I think the American people are tired of what's going on on the border, and they want some someone uh, to to be held accountable for that. And I think that's the yeah, I think that's where at least the House Homeland Security Committee was going. Uh, before the whole speaker shakeup uh, began. So hopefully they can get back to the work of the people uh, and start really examining the border once again, because again, the situation is not improving. We're not seeing any incremental improvement. It just continues to get worse and worse. Yeah, Mike Johnson, the new speaker from the great state of Louisiana, certainly has his work cut out. Uh, you mentioned uh, Secretary Mayorkas. Ought he be impeached? And if so, how soon? And would that even make a difference? I do. I think uh, I think Secretary Mayorkas has lost the confidence of the American people. He has certainly lost the confidence of the men and women of the Border Patrol and the Border Patrol agents along that southern border. The morale has never been lower. So whether he is impeached, he resigns or he's fired by the Biden administration, President Biden specifically, uh, the department needs absolutely needs new leadership. And the question is, will it make a difference? Uh, I, I would think so, uh, but it, I, it comes back to accountability. I think to do nothing uh, sends a terrible signal to the American people and to others to say what's occurring at the border is okay. We are we are somehow endorsing this by not by not holding those that have taken intentional steps to make the the border the, one of the most insecure borders that we have ever had. By not holding them accountable, we're somehow implicitly agreeing to what's going on. And I don't think that's where they're at. So I think some accountability is important. And whether that changes the tone of the border, I think it's an interesting question. But I think that accountability comes first. Let me tell you something. I've traveled uh, to 48 countries around the globe. Nowhere, anywhere, is it like we have on our southern border. Um, and even if you look at Mexico, I've been to southern Me southern Mexico and trust me, their border with Honduras is quite secure. It is nothing like uh, what we have here in the United States. And uh, there is a growing body of evidence that this is either intentional or this is a wink and a nod, uh, a passive way to uh, handle it. And I think there are a number of Americans who are quite concerned about that. Chad Wolf, as always, we appreciate your input and uh, wish you the best of luck. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. This week, President Biden's campaign said his name would not appear on New Hampshire's ballot. His campaign manager wrote in a letter to the state's Democratic Party chair, while the president wishes to participate in New Hampshire's primary, he's obligated as a Democratic candidate for president to comply with the delegate selection rules.
South Carolina is now the first in the nation primary for Democrats per the Democratic National Committee, even though New Hampshire has held the first primary after Iowa's caucuses for decades. The end of this past week was the deadline to file, according to New Hampshire Secretary of State David Scanlon. If we don't receive it by Thursday, he'll have to show up here in person on Friday. Um, uh, and we would we would encourage him to get his declaration of candidacy in. I mean, I, I think it's personally, I think it's a mistake that he's not putting his name on the ballot here. The shift in the Democrats' presidential primary calendar happened after President Biden placed fifth in New Hampshire's primary in 2020. But he won South Carolina by quite a bit. But New Hampshire is saying, no, we're not changing our first in the nation primary status. It's in their state law. New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu told this podcast last month. Joe Biden and the Democrat National Committee are becoming an absolute joke. Look, we are going first. It does, I don't, we don't care. We're not beholden to anything that they say. We're going first. The Democratic Party chair didn't seem to mind Biden's absence, writing on X that New Hampshire voters know and trust the president. And that's why he's beating former President Trump in the state by double digits in polling. This attitude is not what some Democrats want to see, though, namely those willing to run against Biden. While spiritual author Marion Williamson hasn't mounted a strong primary challenge so far, there is now a new name in the mix. I'm Dean Phillips, and I'm running for president of the United States of America. The Minnesota Democratic congressman formally announced his run from New Hampshire after officially filing. We, America's exhausted majority, we know that something is terribly, terribly wrong. For we face a crisis of cooperation and we face a crisis of common sense. Phillips has said in prior interviews that someone should challenge the president and that there were people more qualified than he, but that as much as he likes and agrees with President Biden, polling and the president's age indicates to him he may not win. He said Friday outside of his campaign bus that he can't risk former President Trump winning again. And to think that I would do something now to welcome that man back to the White House? Uh Uh-uh. Uh-uh. And I don't care if you love Donald Trump. I want to invite you. The man is a disaster for our country. He was four years ago. He will be again. That's why I'm doing this. All the data, all the polling indicates that President Biden will not win the next election. Now, Iowa's caucuses are set for January 15th and South Carolina's primary set for February 3rd. While there's no official primary date set for New Hampshire yet, President Biden's name won't be on the ballot there, but Dean Phillips' name will. Earlier uh, in the week, Joe Biden's campaign saying he will not file to place his name uh, on the first in the nation presidential primary ballot here in New Hampshire. Paul Steinhauser is a national political reporter for Fox News based in New Hampshire. We know the backstory there. Biden suggested about a year ago to change the primary calendar. That upset a lot of people here in New Hampshire. Uh, they're going to go ahead anyway and run an unsanctioned primary. And because of that, the president won't be on the ballot. But Dean Phillips launching a primary challenge on Friday, did it right here in New Hampshire. Uh, and uh, he is now on the ballot in New Hampshire and is running against the president for the 2024 Democratic presidential nomination. It's a long shot bid for sure, but he's on the ballot and he's here. OK, so before we talk about uh, a little bit about Dean Phillips, Paul, tell us about the New Hampshire Tell us about the New Hampshire state law, right? It says that it says they have to hold the first in the nation primary. But as you just referenced, the DNC and the president want South Carolina to go first from now on because of uh, uh, because they think there's more diversity in that state. But New Hampshire is still holding, as you just said, an unsanctioned primary. They, they still plan to go first. They sure do. A lot of tradition up here. New Hampshire has been holding the first in the nation primary for a century 
And that law dates back about 50 years. And it says that no other similar contest can come within seven days of New Hampshire. New Hampshire comes first. Because of that law, New Hampshire is going to be moving up the date of their primary. The Democratic National Committee, following the suggestions of the president back in February, put out a new calendar that puts South Carolina first and then Nevada and New Hampshire second a couple of days later. New Hampshire will not be abiding by that calendar. They're, they're moving forward. It's probably going to be in late January, though the Secretary of State up here has yet to announce the official date. Because of that, it'll be, as you just said, just again, unsanctioned primary. And that is why President Biden did not put his name on the ballot. There will be a writing campaign for him here by his top supporters and other Democrats in this state. And so he still could win the primary here, but no delegates will be at stake because it's an unsanctioned primary. So, Paul, do, the DNC could find the could find them, right, could find the state and then they would lose delegate power. The, the state wouldn't get to go to the convention or if could they still yes, uh, go with with Dean Phillips delegates? I mean, how, how, how would this work? Yep, that's absolutely right. Uh, New Hampshire would be fa- uh, be fa- fa- found in, in non-compliance. That's the technical term. <clears throat> and because of that, the Democratic National Committee would penalize New Hampshire and take away some or maybe all of their delegates to the convention in the summer of next year. This has happened for other states uh, in past cycles that have jumped the gun and disregarded either the Democratic or Republican calendars. Uh, often, though, things are, you know, pieces made down the road and maybe the delegates are restored. Uh, what this means for Joe Biden? Well, it's a distraction for sure, right? And and there's the chance that he could be embarrassed here in New Hampshire. Remember, he came in fifth here in New Hampshire back in the 2020 primary before rebounding in Nevada with a second place finish. And then that landslide victory in South Carolina boosted him towards the Democratic nomination and eventually the White House. So that's why Robert F. Kennedy Jr., when he was running as a Democrat, now he's an independent. That's why he was spending a lot of time here in New Hampshire. That's why Marianne Williamson, who's still running for the nomination as a Democrat against the president, is here in New Hampshire quite often. That's why Dean Phillips came here on Friday. It says he will be here a lot going forward. Paul, Dean Phillips sounded like he was not convinced that he would you know, beat the president in the nomination process. He's been saying in interviews even before he announced Friday that there are others who should run. But then he did it and he said a big reason, right, was that he, he doubted President Biden could beat former President Trump. He was looking at the, the polls. Do you think Democratic voters in New Hampshire are happy about this or annoyed at Dean Phillips? And what, what do you think is going to be the reaction here? You know, I think some Democrats in the state will actually embrace Phillips, and they're glad that he's here campaigning. Even if they're supporters of the president, uh, the president uh, is partially responsible for this whole mess with New Hampshire's primary status, and he's not on the ballot. And I think there's some resentment there, which will hurt the president as his allies do this write-in campaign. And that opens the door for somebody else, be it a Dean Phillips. But you're right, Phillips, uh, uh, numerous times as he spoke to the press, acknowledge the extreme uphill climb he faces in trying to unseat a sitting president in a nomination process. That just, you know, that just doesn't happen, right? Not in modern times. Uh, and he said he's a big supporter of the president. In fact, he's voted almost 100 percent with the president's policies. But, uh, you know, Phillips mentioned that it is time for a new uh, for the, the president to pass the mantle. It's time for a new generation of Democrats. And that's one of the reasons he's in this race. And as you mentioned, as you mentioned, he's also concerned about polls that indicate that in a hypothetical Biden-Trump matchup next year, that Trump may win. 
Paul, tell me um, just briefly about how voters are feeling. How do they feel, first of all, about the president not being on the ballot? Do they, do they feel, do New Hampshire voters still feel pretty snubbed over this, that, that they feel their calendar should be, you know, honored? Yeah, no, New Hampshire Democrats, definitely Republicans have been making a right. lot of political <laughs> hay about this. That's pretty clear. Uh, but Democrats, uh, yeah, to, to a degree, there, there were a lot of Democrats that showed up for the Phillips events uh, on Friday who were, won't support him, but uh, they wanted to see him and they were heartened by the fact that somebody was coming up here and campaigning and taking part in the primary process, unlike the president. Okay, and just a couple more for you. I, New Hampshire, Paul, what, I, people there are so read in on, on politics, sort of like Iowa, um, but they're just so smart and sharp. They take no BS in New Hampshire. What What's the read you're getting from those Republican primary voters? I know Nikki Haley moved up in, in polls as of late, but it still looks like Trump is, is the man to beat on the Republican side. Yeah, Trump is still the commanding frontrunner in New Hampshire, just like he is in Iowa. But his lead is a little bit, it's still very big in the early voting states, but it's not as big as in the national polls where he may be up by like 40 points. It's more like 20, 25 points in New Hampshire. Uh, and the question, of course, is how firm is that support? Uh, as you mentioned, Nikki Haley is now pretty much in second place in, in the most of the latest polls in, in New Hampshire uh, with DeSantis and Chris Christie behind her. She also is now in second place in her home state of South Carolina, which holds the first Southern primary. DeSantis, of course, still has the holds second place in Iowa, which leads the GOP nominating calendar. Okay, last question, Paul. Topic-wise, what are you finding is on the minds of voters? I, I would imagine the economy is, is front and center, but what would you say else, what else in New Hampshire is sort of bothering people right now? You're absolutely right about the economy and inflation. Sure, that's top of mind here, but it's top of mind everywhere. There's a lot of veterans in New Hampshire, uh, and so uh, overseas uh, matters such as the uh, Israel-Hamas war, what's going on in the Ukraine, China, those are also issues of importance. And let's also be honest, we're just right next door to Maine, and that mass shooting uh, in Lewiston, Maine the other day is on the minds of a lot of Granite State voters right now. Mm. Fox News reporter Paul Steinhauser, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Jessica. That'll do it for this week's Fox News Rundown from Washington. Next week, we'll have the latest on the various trials involving former President Donald Trump. And we'll hear from the Fed chair, Jerome Powell, about the latest news on interest rates. Until then, thank you for listening. I'm Kevin Cork from Washington. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.